Welcome to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we check in with Ed Tate of BlueBombers.com as we're nearing the Blue Bomber rematch in Calgary against the Stampeders. Should be a good one as well. We are going to hear from Kelly Moore talking to Henry Witt Jr., owner of the favored horse, going into Monday's Manitoba Derby at Assiniboia Downs. Those conversations are next on the podcast. CFL season continues with a matchup featuring all Western teams in Regina and then two of the top teams in the West do battle on Saturday night in Calgary where the Stampeders host the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Ed Tate covers the team for BlueBombers.com, regular contributor on CJOB, and he joins us now. Ed, how are you doing tonight? Really good, Christian. How are you, man? I'm doing well. How excited are you for the trip to McMahon? It's always uh, it's always good to to play in Calgary. Winnipeg hasn't had a great uh, history there until 2019, when uh, the club won a couple of important games, a playoff game, and then the Grey Cup a couple weeks later. So um, it, it's fun, and it sounds like there's going to be a good crowd on Saturday too. They're expecting over 25,000, so uh, that's a good number for the summer in Calgary. And uh, you know, features two of the best teams in the league, and that's always going to make it juicy too. When we saw these two teams here in Winnipeg a couple weeks ago, back on Friday the 15th, it was a win by the Bombers. It was a narrow win. It was a win that maybe you could say they got away with because Calgary shot themselves in the foot a number of times with drop balls and inopportune penalties. Uh, But Winnipeg got the win nonetheless. What are you expecting on Saturday night in the rematch? Well, you know, it's interesting you say that because you're you're absolutely right. There was a roughing the kicker penalty that was critical against Calgary, and and they had some drop passes too that really contributed to their to the loss. But you know, I talking to the Winnipeg guys this week, um, they talked about the missed sacks and a couple dropped interceptions, potential interceptions that they left on the field too. So um, the rematch is going to be, I think, it's going to be just as compelling. You know, Winnipeg's. Uh, fighting through this awful stretch of their schedule that season play five of six on the road. And the stamps haven't played since that game in Winnipeg. So they've had the bye week, but then, you know, they've, you know, all the news this week out of Calgary is them battling through COVID and they got a lot of guys back today at practice, but who knows if there's any lingering impact from that. You know, it's just when these two teams play of late, it's the te- two teams with the winningest record in the last five years. It's just, it just feels like a heavyweight fight. You know, it's like, uh, if I can, I'm probably going to date myself, but it's like uh, uh, Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier to me, you know, the fight number one and fight number two. It's just, it's, it's real compelling theater for the Canadian football league. Well, Kadeem Carey was back at practice said he felt great. Dave Dickinson did mention that there were some players that maybe didn't have the, the best stamina today. And for the Calgary Stampeders, Carey was awesome. The last yes. time out, 12 carries for 110 yards made you wonder why maybe they didn't, they should have run the ball a bit more, perhaps, maybe. Uh, he also had a catch mm-hmm. of 13 yards. How key is it for the Bombers to to slow down Carey, who's been pretty good this season? Yeah, those, those are really good numbers that he posted last time, and I know it kind of stuck in the craw of the Bombers a little bit. It was weird, too. When you were there, Christian, there was a couple of drives where Carey did all the work and they got down near the goal line and then didn't give him the ball again which was a you know unusual play calling and you don't usually see see that from a Dave Dickinson coach team but you're right uh, the bombers can't let him run all over them like he did before there were some big chunk plays against them too that, that that led to that and you know 
it's tough enough to kind of play a Bo Levi Mitchell team where he he can be so deadly as a quarterback. But if they get their ground game going too, and they're in second and short a lot, or are grinding out first downs and big plays like that along the ground, it just makes things that much more difficult for the defense. And you know, to Winnipeg's credit, uh, they really did control Bo Levi Mitchell. He only was 12 of 28 in that game for less than 200 yards. And of course, there was the pick at the end of the game by. Demario Houston so they would take those kind of numbers again uh, against the passing numbers but if they can clean up that that rushing number that that would be going off a long way for this team to try to get the eight and oh of course there was that third down play down near the goal line in the third quarter that two stamp receivers got in the way of each other yeah that what probably would have been a touchdown then the Jordan drop which leads to the Houston pick every team can look back at, back at any sporting game they play and can do the shoulda, woulda, coulda game. And and for football, that's absolutely the case. But it just, it just seemed a little more egregious for Calgary last time out. And, and especially Kamar Jordan, Ed. This is a, a player who's been so mm-hmm. important for that team over the years. Ends up with one catch on seven targets because he dropped a bunch. And you have to think uh, an established player like him must be super hungry to redeem himself. Well, yeah, I'm not sure what the official numbers were, but you mentioned the one catch on seven targets. I think... Within that, you could probably say there were at least four drops. And, yeah, you expect a bounce back from a guy like that. And he's hurt the Bombers in the past, too. It's a good point you make, Christian, about the woulda, coulda, shouldas. Because, I mean, before Winnipeg won in 2019, we heard that an awful lot. There were a lot of times where Winnipeg would play Calgary tough and didn't get out with a win or the best teams in the league. And and when Winnipeg was struggling, and it was uh, if if and, you know, ifs and uh, uh, the coulda, woulda, shouldas all the time, and and that is what teams that aren't at the at the top say when they're when they're not getting it done. So that's the thing that's been interesting about this seven and zero run for Winnipeg is they just keep finding a way. It's not like last year where they were so dominant across the board. You know, they win a game in Edmonton last week where they have the ball for 15 minutes less than Edmonton, and where Zach Caleros only completes seven passes. So. You know, there's they're doing some things right, a lot of different things right, and, and it's what you do when you're a champion, right? And and if you're a team like Calgary that that wants the the championship belt, you got to clean up a lot of things too to to take down the the defending champs. Well, much like they did last year, it, it all starts with the defense for Winnipeg, and it's maybe right. not as dominant as it was last year. I think part of that is just the other teams are better this year because the rest of the league was kind of behind the Bombers in getting back from the COVID break. And that's such a weird season, but it's more of a normal one now. But the, the, you look at last week where again, Edmonton has it for 37 minutes and gets 10 points. The Bombers right. have been so good at, you know, bend the bend did not break mantra. And I, I, I really feel like they're going to be tested pretty well on Saturday because I think, you know, going in, they went into BC and got a big win against a, a BC team that maybe isn't quite as good as they looked the first couple of weeks, but Calgary, I think they're pretty good this year. And so I think that I think the Bombers are probably going to need some takeaways to win this one. Absolutely. We saw how critical that was in the game here against Calgary a couple of weeks ago. And you know, you look at it's funny about Winnipeg's defense cuz it has been bend but don't break and last year there was no bend it was, and there was no break either. They were just so dominant from start to finish. And yet you look at a lot of the statistics and it's weird because they are giving up yards, but the points against obviously are the most critical. And that's only 114 points against in seven games. Like that's a, a phenomenal number. 
in the Canadian Football League. And it's on pace with what they were doing statistically last year. It just looks a little bit different. And I think we forget that, you know, there's been no Brandon Alexander through the first seven games. He's, he's probably not going to be coming back until after Labor Day. You know, they lost Kyrie Wilson for the season a couple of games ago. You know, they don't have Jackson Jeffcoat right now. He's already missed two games. So, <clears throat> excuse me, for them to be where they are, Christian, right now defensively, with missing pieces like that, that, that to me makes uh, what they're doing even that more impressive. And if they can get to, again, through this stretch of ugly, uh, ugly schedule here, whether it's five of six on the road and they, they're the last team to get their bye, um, you know, it sets them very well up for the second half of the season. They're going to have three buys from week 11 to the end of the schedule. And that that's so important when you want to be healthy, when the games really matter. So, um, what they're doing defensively is is really, really impressive, although it does look a little bit different than last year. Jake Thomas, you asked him today about the schedule, and, you know, he made a quip about spending time away from his family, but uh, yeah. <laughs> he also says that, you know, when he came into the league, there was only one bye week. So having to play this many weeks in a row isn't a big deal to him. But you look around the league, and BC and Toronto and Calgary have all had two byes already. It's a bit of a puzzler, personally. I know that there's like one way to make a scheduling matrix work when you have an odd number of teams, but it just seems like they could have done a better job handing out these bye weeks over the course of the year. No question. You know, and it's funny because we've been talking an awful lot about it in the media over the last few weeks, and the the team isn't making a big deal out of it. That's not surprising with a, a Coach O'Shea coached team. Um, but, you know, hearing some of the narrative out of Calgary this week, they weren't talking so much about how this is unfair to Winnipeg right now. They're talking about how it's an advantage for Winnipeg for what I was just talking about for the three buys in the last part of the season. You know, Jake made a good point about, you know, only having one buy when he first came into the league. But I can tell you, you know, you just go out and watch practice and you see the toll it's taking on guys. There's a lot of guys that don't practice during the week. There's a lot of guys that weren't practicing today. There's some guys that only get one full practice in. And it, it's just a grind, right? It's a grind. And, and not only that, there's short weeks in there. They had that Toronto, BC turnaround where it was a Monday, Saturday. We go this week from Saturday in, in uh, Calgary to next Thursday in Montreal. So the team will get back Sunday, have Monday off. You have one full practice day on Tuesday and then you're flying again on Wednesday, uh, you know, it's tough to stay healthy, but it's also tough to stay sharp w- with with that kind of schedule because you're not getting practice time and guys aren't getting reps. And, it, you know, after a while, you'd think it would catch up to you. It hasn't yet to Winnipeg, um, but uh, it, it's that's what's made this, this first seven, eight weeks of the season such an interesting study for Winnipeg because it has been so grueling. This is a, a hypothetical for way down the road, but is it possible that by the time we get to the end of the season, we're asking the question, did the Bombers get too much rest? <laughs> well, that's a good question, too. Remember, though, in 2019, Winnipeg played uh, their their first ever start with Zach Caleros. Uh, they won that game, and then they had the bye, and it was so critical for them to get healthy again before the playoffs. It gave Chris Trevler a chance to get healthy. A lot of other guys, too, that were banged up. Um, that's always the rest versus rust debate that pops up, especially near the playoffs. Um, and so I, I don't know. I think if you took a poll of, of every team in the league, they would say that they would rather have three buys in the second chunk of the season than, than to have them early. So 
Um, maybe we'll be painting this different picture here in the second half of the season. In the moment right now, it's all people like me can talk about is how five of six on the road and no bye weeks until week 11 seems unfair. But if you're on, you know, on the Calgary side of things, you're almost feeling like, well, we didn't need this bye week right now. Right. We could have used this in a few weeks. And so you're coming back and like, well, we didn't, we're really all that, you know, ups or all that banged up. So we could have just gone out and played again last week. And so there might be some bitterness the other way. Yeah, you're right. And that's to your point about they could have done a better job of balancing out the buys. And, you know, and the other thing about that is that it doesn't help you if you go away for a bye week and when you come back, uh, you know, a half dozen guys have COVID, right? That's so that, that that doesn't do you do you much good too because the bye week is supposed to be about rest and you come back and you test positive. And as you said, Dave Dickinson said today that some of the guys weren't at 100%. So that's the kind of stuff that, that can take a toll. I don't know. I, I think that it's something that maybe the league has to look at down the road because it's not too hard to figure out that one team, two, three teams have already had two buys and one team hasn't had any. Maybe we should try to balance this out. Now, a lot of this has to do with stadium availability on all that stuff because it's difficult in places like Vancouver and Toronto that have MLS teams and uh, that share a stadium. I think that's part of it. But uh, there's just got to be a, a, an easier way. And look, everything's done by a computer model now too. It's not like some guy's sitting down at his dining room table and mapping this all out. They got to they got to be able to figure this out a, a little bit better than than what they've done this year. That's for sure. Well, the Riders and Elks also haven't had a bye yet, so it's not just the Blue Bombers. They've yep. they've all played seven games, and there are three teams that have only played five games. So anyway, we're uh, we're hammering this point, but as you mentioned, the team is not really given it much of a thought because that's what Mike O'Shea teams do. They say, all right, well, that's not our, it's not in our control. So we're not going to worry about it. Yeah. That's, that's uh, coach O'Shea's one of his favorite sayings is that this is perfect. No matter what the circumstances are, if it's a snowstorm and they're practicing, this is perfect. If there's a, a rainstorm, this is perfect. If it's a short week, it's perfect because it's what they have to deal with. And I think over, over time that does, it kind of just, uh, you know, it, it, everybody adopts that approach. Uh, you know, if your coach is whining about this or whining about that or the schedule or injuries, then it becomes kind of a mental crutch for, for teams. And I, you'll just never hear that from a Coach O'Shea team. And it's a big part of why this team has won the last two great cups and, and is 18-3 and three in its last uh last 21 regular season games and two of those games came at the end of last year two of those losses came at the end of last year where they were arresting people so i mean just think about that for a minute this team is is basically 18 and 1 in its last 19 games that really really mattered and that doesn't include the west final and great cup so it's pretty impressive and it, it just speaks again to the the talent obviously but also the buy-in to whatever coach o'shea is saying i'd appreciate your time as always thanks for this and have fun at the game saturday Yeah, I appreciate it, Christian. Thanks for having me on, and have a good night. With Pray for Peace, the 7-5 favorite, coming off a Derby Trials victory, is this perhaps the best chance ever for yourself and your good friend Jerry Gorno to finally win the Manitoba Derby, or do we not want to put that kind of pressure on you? Yeah, I'll tell you, I think we got a really good shot at it. You know, I'll tell you, this horse is... This horse is a good horse. I've been watching him and watching him, and uh, I claimed him over there in uh, Churchill. And uh, anyway, we we claimed him for eighty plus tax, which is about eighty six thousand. Anyway, they had one hundred and twenty eight thousand, 
10 days later, there was an allowance race, and I put him in that. You know, you get 60%, so I'm thinking, we get we get 79000 back. We're going to get all my money back right there. So we put him in it, and he got hung on the rail, and he was behind the two-horse. Anyway, he got hung on the rail, and he winds up having to go about six wide coming off the turn, and he had to check him. And when he checked him and pulled him, you would think that he would – a lot of them quit, but he didn't. He rebroke. And he went back and got him. You know, he got beat by a little over two lengths, but another another twenty yards, he wins that one. But anyway, so he got third. So after the race, then he went back. And I said, "Well, I talked to Jerry, and he said, well, 'Let's run him in that trial race.' So we was trying to get him there, you know. And then Jerry's a little short. He said he's a little short-handed on help. So anyway, I got him on the I got him on the trailer, and we I got a guy to haul him up to Canterbury. So he left on Thursday and got. Thursday night, about six or six o'clock, he got to Canterbury the next day, Friday afternoon. So he stayed the night there Friday night. And then uh, Saturday night, uh, the trailer that the guy that hauls Deodora's horses, he was going from uh, Minnesota. He was coming from Canterbury over to Manitoba with him, with his little running mates that he's going to run against and some more. Anyway, so uh, uh, the guy said, look, would you stick yours on the back of the trailer and haul him over there? So he hauled. So we hauled him. He come from Canterbury. He come from Churchill to Canterbury, and then from Canterbury to Manitoba. And he got there Sunday afternoon. And I and I asked Jerry. I said, "Well, how'd he do?" He said he jumped out of that trailer like like a champ. Said he had his tail up and he was prancing around. I said, "Well, you think we'll run him?" He said, "Well, we'll just check him in the morning." So we checked him after hauling him twenty like twenty three hours in the trailer. He uh. uh he got out there and outrun him by six and a half, and I was impressed in the drizzling rain. So he, I was pretty impressed. He went by six and a half, and the, the good thing about it is he had only run seven furlongs, and that was a mile. I was worried about him going the distance, but his mom and daddy, I checked him, and he's bred to go. He's bred to go a mile and an eighth or better. But anyway, he he uh, he went in that in the drizzling rain. He went by six and a half, and he was leaving home when he got to the wire. Yeah, that was the thing we that was the thing we saw in the video today, Henry, was that as soon as Great Escape, who is the number two horse on the tote board, the early tote board uh, for the Manitoba Derby, as soon as Great Escape got in the neighborhood, it was like pray for peace, found that extra gear and just said, yeah. Not in my house. No, you know, and uh in uh Whitehall just get, just popped him one time when he when he was when he turned for home. And he was coming to it's like when he's coming to the horse that he just popped him one time and it looked like he hit another gear. And then uh Whitehall said, No, no, he didn't hit another gear, he hit two gears. <laughs> he said he just he said he just took off. So I'm kinda of proud of him and I hope it I hope we win the thing. That'd be nice to win that, you know, 'cause you know, it's a lot a lot of people say, you know, my I coached I coached some ball with my kids and stuff in summer league and all that. And we it's hard to win a state championship in Texas and I coached I coached in about eight of them, and I only won a couple. But I made it to the championship, but to win it is tough. And, I, you know, when you go to do something that's like that Manitoba Derby, it's tough to win that, you know. And anything can happen. Like, just like in Kentucky at Churchill, that horse, he got hung behind that two horse, and he get, he didn't have anywhere to go. And, in fact, he was so hung that he fell all the way back to – it showed fifth, but he fell back to about seventh. Coming coming off the turn and the and the jockey reared him wide. He pulled him and weaved him in and out of about three horses. And anyway, once he got clear, then he took off. But you know, you can get hung behind horses, and there's just a lot of little stuff that can happen. And 
the eight hole is I don't like the eight hole, but you know it is what it is, and you gotta you gotta go with what you got. But uh, we just hope we got enough horse to get up there and get them, you know. Yeah, I was just going to ask you about that. Henry uh, Witt Jr. is our guest here. Uh, he has two horses, actually, in the 74th running of the Manitoba Derby Monday night at Assiniboia Downs. He has the favorite at 7-5, to five, Pray for Peace. Uh, and he also has a long shot, the longest of shots at 40-1, to one, Get Wit Gone. So it's an interesting uh dynamic there for you for sure henry uh but uh, yeah you expressed concern i know when we talked earlier today before the interview you uh, uh had some concern about starting on the outside uh for maybe for our listeners who aren't quite as tapped into thoroughbred racing why would there be that concern about starting from the outside well when you start on the outside the, the, there's one good thing is you don't have anybody on the outside that you can bang off of your you know, maybe knock the breath out of him, you know, hit him hard and knock the breath out of him or something happened, you know, knock him off stride. But the uh, the inside, you got a straighter shot, and as small as that track is, you know, in my opinion, when you get the rail, when you can get, when you go around them turns and you get the rail, I, I drove race cars and won the national championship or co-national champion eight years in a row. And when we run on small tracks, I always ran the bottom because it's closer. It's the shortest way around the track, you know, same with horses. And, uh, anyway, he's, he, uh, you know, that last trip, he, he was in the one hole and he had kind of a straight shot, but the horses come up by him and I was kind of impressed because, because Whitehall rated him and them other horses, he let about two or three go by him and he just kind of tracked them. And then, and then when he got to the turn, I said, Oh man, he's fixing to go wide. And I really like the rail even if they get hung sometime, but he moved him out. He probably went four or five coming off wide, coming off that turn. And he still, he still come. I mean, he still looked like he was just about the only one running when he hit the lane. So I was impressed. I was impressed that he rated and he got to save a little air, you know? Yeah. Henry, how much, I was just going to ask, is there an advantage a with pray for peace, winning the Derby trial, as impressively as he did 17 days ago. And also, you've made several mentions of Antonio Whitehall, the jockey who will ride Pray for Peace, uh, while uh, the uh, Great Escape, the number two horses, they're actually going to bring in a jockey from Alberta to ride. So the familiarity that Antonio has with Pray for Peace and the success, how much of those are advantages going into Monday night's race? Uh, well, you know, I kind of think that I really – that. The, the rider that uh, Deodor's got, he's a good rider, but uh, I mean, he's probably one of the best. But whenever you ride at a track, you know, it's kind of like driving when I drove race cars. Whenever you went running at a track that you run a lot at, you kind of got an advantage, I think, because if the other jockey, even if he's better, you know, you know the nicks and the turns, and, you know, you can look at the track, and if you can read the track, you can see where, where it's faster, you know, and Whitehall's pretty good at that. If you can see which, which, which lane is faster and you can get in there and go, you know. And I think I think it's a little bit of an advantage. Although uh Deodore's got three in there, so he's got three <laughs> shots that he's got a you know, hit I'm sure he's gonna put one on the front for a speed horse and he's gonna have one setting off of him and then he'll probably have one setting back to close. So I mean that's kind of the that's kinda of what they do. But uh anyway and he hopes so he hopes with the one that gets out there in the front can hang on, but at the same time he's running them down so we really hate to get up there and run with him on the front, you know. Even though my horse, I think with, I think my horse is probably really the fastest one in there for us if he was sprinting. But 
he has to rate because that's a mile and eight. That's a lot. So that's a lot of air for them horses. You know, they got a, that's a long ways to go. You know, the horse can only run so far wide open. So, and I think Whitehall's pretty good at, at uh, rating them. So, I think he's at, he. I think he'll. I think he'll make up if the other boy. If they think the other boy's better or whatever. You know, which I think Whitehall's a great jockey, but it, whatever whatever they think they got an advantage with that jockey, I think we got an advantage because he's a hometown jockey. Yeah, Rico Walcott. He's used to the track. Yeah, Rico Walcott, by the way, yeah. is the jockey that is coming in from Alberta to ride Great Escape. Just before we wrap things up, uh, Ear Henry, and thanks a bunch for the time. I really do appreciate it. I've, I've got a couple more questions for you, though. You mentioned Robertino Diodoro, uh, who has won three of the last five Manitoba Derbies. So I would imagine that there is a built-in rivalry right off the top because you have one of the best uh, guys when it comes to training horses and Jerry Gorno, who also has never won a Manitoba Derby. So would this be kind of like checking off the bucket list for both of you guys? It sure would. You know, Jerry, Jerry's a fabulous trainer. You know, I've got I've had a lot of trainers in, in my time, and uh, he's the best I've ever had. You know, and he, and he loves it up there in Manitoba. When I come up, I love it. They just treat you. Everybody treats you great up there. They're good people, you know, and, uh, you know, and uh, so I really like it. You don't want to go to the track. Everybody's just the best for you. You know, I mean, they, you know, that like they give you, you know, they give you a, sweet, a little deal to set the tables and all that stuff. All that's good. Everybody treats you good up there. So it's a good thing. So is that why then Henry S. Witt Jr., who is so successful in his home state of Texas, uh, in horse racing and in other uh, pursuits, uh, but is that why there's the connection between you and Winnipeg, just with how uh, well uh, Darren Dunn and his great staff operate that track? Yeah, I tell you that. I tell you, Darren and Sh- Darren Dunn and Sharon, and I think he's assistant up there. I tell you, I mean, they're just great people. Y'all can call them and talk to them about something, and you know, he will. He just picks up the phone like. You know, like I'm his brother or something, and that's to me that means a lot. You know, and then and Sharon, Sharon, when I call her, she'll just she just goes out of her way just to make sure that everything's okay. And you know, do you need this or do you need that? I mean, they're really good people. I think you know when I, when I come up, you know, all the people, all the Canadian people, they're fabulous too. They, you know, you can't even tell a hard. You know, Texas is a great state, and everybody's really nice in Texas. We're I think one of the nicest people in the country is from Texas. But when I go to Manitoba. When I go to the races up there, it seems like I hadn't even left the state. So everybody up there is really, I think they're all good. Everybody's nice and, you know, good people up there. So I like it. But Jerry, Jerry, speak to Jerry Gorno. He's my trainer, and I kind of praise him a little bit because, you know, he can get a horse, and when one's got a little neck or a little knack or something, you know, kind of like an athlete, you know, if he's if he's got a little sore spot or something going on, he can fix it. He's good at, he's good at fixing it, you know, and he's, in the, he's a good, really good with feet, legs. Uh, we'll certainly be looking forward to what should be just a tremendous, tremendous uh, marquee event of the year at Assiniboia Downs on Monday night. Yeah, I just I, I hope I, I hope pray for peace and nose goes across the land first. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m., of course. That is when the Jets are not playing, because if the Jets are playing, then I don't have a show, but I'll be part of the pre- and post-game coverage. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell, until we meet again.